<laughs> well, we're going to start with a little bit of a, um, a pictorial exercise, if you will. Uh, and I promise we're, we're not doing any sort of mass conversion, but would you do this with me? Okay, try that. It's okay. Yeah, who said that? <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, the first time I saw it, my grandfather explained to me, that's all it is, tie, fly, cigarettes, pens. You just do a check. But um, people... People have been making the sign of the cross for 2,000 years, not just on their body, but in artwork, in beautiful works of sculpture, cast in marble and gold. They've adorned walls, and they've done it because the cross, for all of those years, has been the place where God changes lives. He turns lives around. For 2,000 years, the cross is the place where God turns stories Around And we were baptizing folks this morning, and I hope you felt that common thread coming through their story. For 2,000 years now, we've been baptizing in Jesus' name. But for some of you, I realize maybe that's the very first time you've seen baptism, or at least seen it practiced that way. So I thought we'd spend just a little bit, and if you're sort of accustomed to being here, a little bit really is a little bit this morning, like 10 minutes or so, and, and talk about and talk about baptism, because it's this incredible, moving, public way of declaring something that's going on that's inward and real for the people who are standing there in the baptistry. It was warm in there. I mean, it was really warm. We could sell, like, hot side tickets or curbside seating for this. Uh, but uh, the, the water is, among other things, a symbol of cleansing, I mean, that's, that's part of why it gets used in this way. It's an expression of the fact that, that it's kind of a clean slate that's happening. That in Jesus, you get a new story. Uh, and it's not like suddenly the past doesn't exist anymore, but it's a way of saying that, that from now on, the past doesn't have power over me. It doesn't define who I am. And that from this point onward, Jesus gets woven into the story. In fact, the Bible talks about baptism in kind of a fascinating way. And if you have a Bible with you or a device, you might just want to key in this verse and turn with me to 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, just those opening few verses. Let me read them for you, 1 Corinthians 10, beginning at verse 1. The Bible says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they passed through the sea and they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And you look at that and think this feels like a Simpsons episode. That didn't clear anything up. It sounds like mumbo jumbo. But there is a story behind that story. And it's a magnificent one. For, for God's people, I mean the ancient people, the people of Israel, the central narrative of their shared story was always about that pivotal moment when their ancestors were freed from slavery and enjoyed the taste of freedom for the first time. They'd been enslaved in Egypt for like four centuries. The, the Exodus, as sometimes it's called, is for the Old Testament people of God what the cross is for us, it is their defining story. It's the place where they get their bearings for everything else in life and history and their spirituality. For Israel, this is the story of freedom. Just the mighty acts of God's deliverance. Again, they had been in bondage. It was cruel. It was oppressive. It was near genocidal. It almost eradicated the nation. For 400 years, they lived under the boot of a foreign power. 
in Egypt. And they cried out for deliverance and safety. And, and it says that at just the right time, God heard and raised up a leader named Moses. You know this story, right? They play it on broadcast TV every year at Easter. This is the Ten Commandments story. So Moses gets called up and intervenes on little Israel. And he goes before Pharaoh as a representative of God. And through the course of events, eventually persuades Pharaoh to let the people go. And as they left Egypt, God was leading his people in kind of this this unique way. It's described in, in the book of Exodus in chapter 13. It says, the Lord went ahead of them in the cloud to guide them on their way. It was a pillar of cloud. But, but, but really, I mean, don't get distracted by the imagery. It meant that, that the omniscient, ever-present, all-wise, all-knowing God was with them. In a sense, I guess the first people to have their information stored in the cloud was Israel, not Amazon or Google. But there it was. They started their journey, as, as many of us do in life, with resolve and courage. And they're going, and God is with them, and everything looks great. And then Pharaoh, back in Egypt, has a change of heart. Realizes that he's just let go most of his labor force. In the very next verse, because sometimes that, that's all it takes is a moment for the world to change. The very next verse, the world changes. Pharaoh sends out all of the armies of Egypt in pursuit of this little band of people. And now suddenly they're trapped. They've got the armies bearing down on them on one side. They've got a kind of a hard stop. They're right at the seaside on the other, the Red Sea. And, uh, and it says, and listen in to the story and see if you resonate with this, because I do this, we do this. When they realized they were trapped, it says they were terrified, they cried out to the Lord, they said to Moses, was it because they'd run out of graves in Egypt that you brought us out here in the middle of the desert to die? What have you done to us, bringing us from Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve them and die there than here in the desert. Of course, they didn't say any of that. I mean, when they're in Egypt, all they could think about was getting free. But when your life corkscrews and goes sideways, you have a way of rewriting history, and everything gets thrown askew. And suddenly, when things are bad... You long about long not just for things better, but you think back to when things were actually worse. It looked like their story was at an end. Everything was over even before it started. And then Moses says these amazing words. I think to the people, I think he was probably also speaking them to himself. Have you ever done that? You say it out loud and you know the words are as much for you as they are for them. I want you to hang on these words because we're going to come back to them. He said, do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. For the Lord will fight for you. And you need only to be still. A marvelous moment. Just be still. In the stillness of that moment, God allowed some of the fear in people to ebb away. And then he spoke into the life of of Moses and says, Moses... I want you to hold up your staff and I will part the waters and lead you to freedom. He said, it's okay. Charlton Heston is going to do it in a movie centuries later. It's going to be a really cool effect. Go ahead. Give it a shot. And so they go down to the water. They think it's certain death. 
But then their fear ebbs away. They're led through the seas. And when they come out the other side of the water, there's new life. There's something in that that sounds achingly familiar. They go into the waters, terrified, afraid, unsure. God stills their heart and brings them out. And their life begins anew. The New Testament grabs this great central story of the Old Testament and uses it away as a way of illustrating what baptism is all about. When they went into the water, they were slaves. When they came out, they were freed women and freed men. When they went into the water, they were in mortal peril. They were in danger. When they came out, they were safe in the hands of God. When they went down into the water, terrified. When they came out, they were dancing, literally, with joy. And then in the very next chapter there is recorded what we actually think is the very first hymn ever sung to God. And it's a woman named Miriam who sings it. And she dances while she sings. And we can listen in. Here's what she sung. The Lord is my strength and my song. Say that with me. The Lord is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. Say that. He has become my salvation. When you watch people baptized and you see some of them come up out of the water and they're just like fist pumped, victory cry, it's because they have experienced something of the victory of God in their life, probably in ways that you and I only begin to know. It's, it's kind of a holy moment, a sacred moment. There was something in them that was holding them back, something from which they wanted to be set free, guilt or resistance and And they pushed through it. And they came out the other side. And there's this realization that now their life is enclosed by and upheld by and and surrounded by a power and an assurance and an encouragement and a grace that is greater than any of us. When the people of Israel went down into the water, they didn't really have a story of their own. They had these memories. You know, God, who's God? He's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But they were a long time ago. When they came out of the water, they had a story of their very own. You heard five of those stories this morning. Maybe you want to think about what your God's story is like. And if you've not had the experience of of coming to the very edge, that moment of desperation or guilt or whatever it is, and hearing God whisper, Do not be afraid. Be still. The victory will be yours. And emerging the other side. Let me encourage you to to spend some time reflecting on the promise. A very important part of baptism that, that gets drawn out as we read about it in the New Testament is that even though it's a deeply personal thing, it's not a private thing. It's done in public. It's It's shared. It's shared because we never want to miss a party in in the church, right? I mean, we celebrate everything, everything we can. But it's also shared because your story, Sarah, and your story, Dean, gets caught up and used as the thing that pushes the next person to the water's edge and through and beyond. Whatever the problem you have, whatever that pharaoh thing might be in your life, whatever discourages you, these are your words. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you, and the Lord will fight for you. You do this with me one more time. Yeah. 
The cross is the place where God turns stories around. Somebody is baptized, and then their life, their story, gets interwoven with the story of Jesus. If you've never done that, if you've never enjoyed that kind of moment of absolute trust and certainty and security, if you've never been baptized, and maybe you want to think about it, if you would like, at the end of the service, in the back corner where it says prayer corner, we actually we have a prayer corner. And we have people there that would love to listen and stand with you and support you and think through what a next step might look like with you. Let me close with these words. These are the words that we spoke from the baptistry. It says, we were therefore buried with Christ. We were buried with him through baptism into death. Everything old dies away. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, here's us coming up out of the waters through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If you want a one-word summary of what baptism is, it's life. It's the celebration of life. It's the promise that whatever you're trailing behind you, that divorce, that depression, that failure, that addiction or job loss or mental health issue, whatever, scandal or crime, that was not the end of your story. That's just Pharaoh in your life. And Pharaoh is going down. God wants you free from bondage. He wants to deliver you from fear to take mourning and turn it into dancing. He gives you a new identity, a new purpose, a new reason to live. And if you say yes, you go down into the water. Picture of, you know, God, that old stuff, I, I leave it behind. I want to be born again into new hope. I surrender myself to you so that the greatest dreams that you hold for me can now begin. And maybe, just maybe, you find yourself thinking back on that that Old Testament story and, and realizing that, boy, our great God has done it again. He's parted the waters again. And your story gets knit together with the story of, of Moses and Paul, who wrote those words, and the Corinthian church, who read those words, and Brent, and Muhammad, and, and Sarah, and Estera, and Dean, and millions and millions of other people. That's what we celebrate today. So anytime you see somebody baptized, I hope you will do what you did today. Just give it to them, and cheer them on like crazy. In fact, give them a cheer right now. Our baptism candidates, would you stand? <laughs> Dean and Sarah. <laughs> Woo! There we are. You give them a little bit of the adoration of heaven because the heavens themselves are rejoicing on this day. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for the privilege, for the sheer joy of being able to share these moments together, of witnessing again the transforming power of Jesus at work in people's lives. And God, for all those of us who've watched and been encouraged and challenged, and and God, for some of us, it's a reminder of that day in our own past. For others, it just nudges us towards that possibility in the future. But for all of us, we want to be able to stand at the water's edge and celebrate again the mighty deliverance of God. Hear him whispering, do not be afraid. Be still. The victory is yours. In Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, Amen.